Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast with your host, LaToya. This podcast was created as a platform for spreading love. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. My name is LaToya, and I am the host of this podcast. Welcome to Speaking of Love. Speaking of Love is a podcast that I created in honor of my father. My father, Herman McAlpin Jr., was a radio TV broadcast engineer here in the city of Detroit, and my father took his own life on March 2nd of this year. And to honor his memory, I have created this platform to spread love, to bring happiness, and to raise awareness for suicide awareness, and also to help people who may be struggling with mental problems or mental disorders and things of that nature. So today I have a beautiful guest here. Her name is Laura Gabriella, and she's going to be here today to talk about a very, very sensitive subject, which which is the subject of suicide. Laura currently lives in Rockford, Illinois with her family. She's the author of Lost to Darkness, Enlightened by Grace, as well as the founder and president of a nonprofit organization called Marshmallows Hope. She started this organization to honor her son, Zachary, who passed away by suicide. She's an entrepreneur at heart, a loving mother and wife, and she will be sharing her story with us about her God-given purpose and how she came about to lead her life as an advocate for mental illness and suicide prevention. So welcome, Laura. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me on here, LaToya. I am super excited to share my story with all of you um, and honored that you would have invited me to this show. So thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we, You and I both have experienced a, a tremendous loss losing someone to suicide. So let's talk a little bit, Laura, about Zachary. What kind of child was Zachary? So um, I have three children and Zachary was always, you know, the happy class clown, super outgoing, very, very loving. Um, <clears throat> he was the, the one of my three kids that would actually come to bed every night and hug me and say, I love you, mom. Um, so, I mean, that just you know, tells you the loving and kind, you know, nature that he had within him. Okay. Now he, was he the oldest? He was actually the middle child. Um, he was 14. I have an older daughter and a younger son. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. So did Zachary have any problems in school or what was life like for him prior to the days leading up to his departure? Well, um, so <clears throat> I didn't know that anything was going on really, um, in regards to like, he did, he didn't just, he didn't show any signs of depression. He was never diagnosed with depression. Um, when he was younger, he was diagnosed with ADHD, which is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And then I often question now because the, you know, the symptoms for both are so similar. So I often question if maybe he was misdiagnosed all along and I just never knew, um, you know, and we won't never know. But in regards to he had tons of friends, tons of girlfriends. Um, he was very popular in school and, 
I think the month prior to, um, he, you know, he, he was a little player for lack of better words. So he had a ton of little girlfriends and, um, he got mixed up with the wrong girl and, and things I think happened that led him to make this drastic decision, you know, because he was having issues at school because of this, this girl. So. Okay. Can you walk me through the day uh, that this happened? What was the, what was happening that day? So it was a Sunday um, and that was supposed to be the happiest day of my life. Um, I, <clears throat> I had been a single mother um, for almost a decade at that point. And um, I purchased or I had put an offer in for a five acre farm. And they had called me to tell me, you know, hey, we're going to accept your offer. So it was like the happiest news. Um, and I, you know, Zach was at home. All, all the kids were at home. And he had been doing his chores throughout the day, stuff like that. Well, I was going to be leaving to go to the farm to um, sign the contract to move forward with the sale. And he wanted to go hang out with his friends. But... You know, the weeks leading up to it, he had been making really rash decisions and getting himself into trouble. So I told him, no, I'm like, you can't go with your friends. You can't go hang out with them. You know, I don't want you to get in trouble. And he got really upset and he, you know, went upstairs, slammed the door. And I told my oldest daughter, you know, hey, I got to leave. I'll be back in a few minutes, you know, within an hour or whatever take care of your brothers, make sure they eat. And so I left. He um, apparently then came back downstairs. They got in an argument. He went back upstairs. And while I was at the farm signing the contract, he was at home taking his, his own life. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the absolute worst day of my life. Yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. And, you know, we oftentimes we talk about the warning signs or what could we have seen. But in most cases, when people make the decision to end their own life, there were no warning signs. It's just right. something that they decide at that moment and it happens. So looking back, you don't know what the signs are because a lot of times there's nothing there. Would you agree with that? I mean, yes and no. So... Uh, I do think that they display signs, but a lot of times they're so good at masking them. So like after his death, I've done a lot of research, obviously, because now I'm passionate about advocating. And although I do agree that as his mother, I didn't, you know, I didn't see the signs when they were happening. But to me, it's... <clears throat> It's because I was uneducated on the subject, if that sure. makes sense, you know. So after his death, um, I noticed things like his behavior had been changing. You know, he always was a really happy kid, and then he was acting very impulsively. He was acting angry, unlike himself. So that's actually one of the signs that, you know, they're dealing with their pain and their depression and their internalizing it and we you know it was one of the things that i missed but it is one of the key things to look for when somebody is suicidal mm -hmm. you know? um you know, mm -hmm. go ahead laura i'm sorry no no no. that's okay go ahead 
So you have fought daily to raise awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. You've opened up an organization called Marshmallows Hope, and it's a nonprofit. Can you talk to us about Marshmallows Hope? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Marshmallows Hope, Hold On, Pain Ends, um, that's what the HOPE acronym stands for. It's it's an organization to aid, you know, children, teens, and young adults who are struggling with mental illness and suicidal uh, ideations. So we have um, a teen mentorship program that we're working on currently, and we're hoping to launch that at the beginning of the year. And so what it is, is basically we just pair these teens up who are struggling with an adult mentor so that they can get, you know, the attention and the guidance and we can instill in them to want to keep living. I mean, I believe that everybody in on the planet has a purpose for their life, right? Mm -hmm. We were all created on purpose and, and for a purpose. And so my goal is that through this nonprofit, I can reach children who are living with a mental illness, with depression, anxiety, you know, and, and instill that in them that, hey, even though you're feeling that pain right now, if you just hold on a little bit longer, that pain will end and you'll have a full and fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always say stay awake for the rebirth because every day that we wake up, we have a rebirth. We're waking up. It's a brand new day. And sometimes the way you felt last night will be different from the way you feel today. So just hold on a little bit longer because whatever trials and tribulations that we're going through and we're feeling is not permanent. It's just a temporary setback. Absolutely. I do agree with that. And when I think about my own child, you know, I often think, you know, had he just held on a little bit longer, like how different would life be today? Mm -hmm. You know, so. Now, Laura, you've mentioned that um, Zachary was the middle child. How have your other children been coping with his absence? It's been hard. It's been really, really hard. So my, as I mentioned to you earlier, my three children were home by themselves when this happened and the the other two are the ones that found him and so um it was very i believe it was very traumatizing for not only me but for my other two children and both of the other kids like both of them have dealt with it completely differently um my oldest one unfortunately i feel like she's really internalized it she refuses to talk about it you know, to her, I feel like it's easier not to pretend that it didn't happen, but to kind of just, you know, she won't, she won't go there. She, even with her therapist, like she doesn't want anything to do with suicide prevention or talking about what she went through or anything like that. So you can, as her mom, like I can really see how it's affected her and how it's changed her, you know? Um, and my youngest he he's kind of morphed into his brother which is you know it's i don't know to me when they were little they didn't look anything alike and now they just look exactly alike act exactly alike you know so i live with this anxiety like you know is is this going to happen again or you know which yeah. i pray that it doesn't i pray that it doesn't but it definitely is is something that i worry about but 
my children, I have to say, are like the strongest humans on the planet, you know, to live with something like that or through something like that and to be able to like every day live their lives and, you know, just be kids. Like to me, that's incredible. Now, Laura, how long has it been since Zachary passed away? Two years. It's he passed away. Yeah, he passed away September 16th of 2018. And he was 14 years old when this happened? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, and the other two were 16 and 6 at the time. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Laura, I really admire what you have done because you, you didn't let your child pass away in vain. You have dedicated your life and you've taken your purpose, your pain, and given it a greater purpose. And that is just to be admired. I want to know, where did the inspiration come for you to write this book, Lost to Darkness, Enlightened by Grace? You've written this book. It's available on Amazon. Where did that inspiration come from? Like, what was it inside of you that said, I have to do this? God. I mean, honestly, that's the, that's the only answer I can give to you. So through my journey, um, things have happened all throughout my journey where it was like God was just sprinkling bits and pieces of grace that through my pain, I couldn't really see at the moment, you know, like he was bringing teens from all over that could relate to Zachary and Zachary's pain and, and getting them to open up to me, a complete stranger, somebody that they didn't even know, you know, and through that, I was able to start helping kids just by sharing our story with them um, and help them continue living. And so anyway, um, I was really, really stuck in, in a very dark place after he passed. And I remember I came to a point where one day I just threw my hands up in the air and I was like, look, if you, if you're there, if you really exist, please just take the wheel. Cause I can't, I can't do this. And um, so when COVID happened, I started seeing that the suicide rates were going up, you know, and I felt really compelled, like I needed to do something. I needed to bring grace to somebody else's darkness. And so I just one day sat down and I started to write. Um, and I, you know, when I began to write the book, I thought that I would write it from like the moment that I lost my child up to now, you know. Mm -hmm. But it actually took me through all of the journeys in my life. I've overcome domestic violence. I've overcome, you know, divorce, the death of a loved one by cancer. Like there's just so much in life that I have been through. And as I was writing it and then writing the grace part of it, I really thought, you know what? Like God wants me to tell my story so that I can not only help people who may be having thoughts of suicide, but also living through other aspects of life such as an abusive relationship and you know to just let people know that you can do it you can make it yes and that takes a tremendous amount of strength i know for me my situation is totally different from yours my father was involved in a murder suicide so he he killed his wife before taking his own life. So my situation is different from yours, but the pain is just, it's, it's very difficult. And when I decided to create this platform, honoring his memory, honoring his legacy, but also to reach other people who may be suffering with the same 
mental illness or the depression or whatever led him to make the decision that he made, I got a lot of criticism from people. And I don't think people realized how prevalent suicide has become in our country. And we need to talk about it. It's something that we should not shove under the rug because a lot of times people need to know that they matter. And I don't know what it is, but sometimes people can have a lot of love around them, but they just may not be open enough to receive that love. So our purpose here today is to open up, help people open up to know that you are lovable. We can, help, we can help you. There, is, there are resources out here. And staying awake, you know, don't let today be the determining factor for the rest of your life. Just because today is a bad day, it doesn't mean that every day of your life is going to be like today. And we need to depend and lean on others and talk about it. And I know I'm talking about this with a rational mind, because when you're in a dark place, the mind, the depression will tell you, you aren't worthy. You aren't lovable. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You're 100% right with that. Um, you know, when you, when you're stuck in that darkness, when you're stuck in that depression, your, your mind is lying to you and it's making you feel like you would be better off dead. Like your loved ones would be better off without you. And that's absolutely not true. You know, um, when you are feeling that way, the best thing that you can do is reach out and and talk about it let somebody know that hey you are struggling with these thoughts and you need help because there's treatment for it um you know depression i believe is a silent killer a yeah. lot of people suffer with depression and anxiety and they just suffer through it alone and a lot of their loved ones didn't even know because you know you when you're dealing with that you're trying to protect them and in my opinion, that's the worst thing that you can do. You have to let people know that you're not okay. And, and, and we, as, as a society, I think that what you're doing, LaToya, is so incredibly important because as a society, it's like we have this hush-hush mentality that surrounds mental illness um, and, and we need to just open up and we need to educate people. It's, it's a, it's a subject that we don't talk about enough and people really do need to be aware of it, that it, it is real. Yes, it and, is. And it affects, you know, one in every two people at, at, at some point in their lifetime. So literally if you're standing in a room with four people, two of those people are struggling Mm -hmm. with something, you know, so uh, I just, I'm, I'm passionate about it because I had you talk to me before my child died about depression or about anxiety. I probably also would have shrugged it off. I wasn't mm -hmm. educated in yeah. the subject. You know, I wasn't either. And we talked earlier about warning signs. My dad's biggest warning sign was humor. He was such a humorous person. He would make you laugh. He would make the lowest person feel like they were on top of the world. He had this unique ability of making others feel so important. And I think a lot of times people use humor to mask their pain. 
Absolutely. I mean, my kid, if, you know, like I mentioned, he was the class clown. He was the funny child. He was always the one with like the biggest smile on his face. And you would have never known that he was really struggling within, within himself. Now for your nonprofit, Marshmallows Hope, what, what does the word, what's the significance behind the word marshmallow? So that's actually Zach's nickname. When he was younger, um, my husband had given him this nickname of Marshmallow. And Zach always thought it was like the most ridiculous nickname. He hated it. And so when I bought the farm, you know, I, I bought it and it was a, a Christmas tree farm. I wanted people to be able to Google something that wouldn't come up, you know, with 50 million searches. And so I randomly like Googled marshmallow and I was like, you know, I, I, I just, I always, every time I think about marshmallow, I think about how ridiculous, you know, that nickname really. Me? Sorry. My, I, my transmission cut off. Oh yeah. You're back now. Okay. Sorry about that. So yeah, he used to he used to really like get upset when he was younger, but then as he got older, he um, he thought that it was you know, hey, do you remember when you used to call me Marshmallow? You know, and he would just giggle. Um, so that's that's where Marshmallow comes from. Um, and then hope, you know, I I wanted to come up with something to let people know. Like I said, hold on, pain ends. It's not, it's not permanent. You know, you're in a temporary state of mind that tomorrow is a new day. You're going to wake up. You are going to feel different, like you stated earlier. And, you know, you just have to give yourself a chance to get through it. Get through yes. today. Yes. Hold on, pain ends. I love it. I love that. That is so profound. Hope. Hold on, pain ends. That's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit more about your book, Lost to Darkness, Enlightened by Grace. Laura, you've written this book and it's available on Amazon. Um, I'm going to put a picture of it up here shortly. But how long did it take you to write this book? Um, honestly, I wrote the book in three weeks during COVID. Okay. The longest part, obviously, was editing it and whatnot. And and that, you know, when I say that God, like, instilled this purpose in me, it was as if he just, like, threw it on my lap. You know, one day um, it had been on my mind, like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I kept ignoring it. But then one day I happened to uh, meet somebody that wanted to do, like, a like a carousel for an Instagram advertisement for the COVID-19 suicides that were happening. And so they had reached out to me and they were like, Hey, you know, I'm working with this writer and she's having writer's block. Can you talk to her about suicide? You know, some of the key signs and whatnot. And so by talking to her the very next day, I woke up and I was like, wait, she's a writer. I wonder if she would know how to write a book or like how to, you know, how to tell me. And then next thing I know, I was on the phone with a book um, publishing company. And from there, it was three weeks of writing. And then I published the book. And my goal was um, I wanted it to come out on Zachary's two-year death anniversary to oh, honor him. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that's so what were you able was. to Were you able to achieve that? Yeah. I was. So it was, I, I have a copy of it, so I'll show you guys. Oh, perfect. It's yes. Lost, Lost to darkness. darkness. Enlightened by grace. 
Yeah, and so on the cover, that's my Zachary. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, I truly admire you for not letting him pass away and just going into a, a shell and not speaking out about it. Because by doing this, you're going to save countless lives. Um, I'm quite sure that you're familiar with the suicide awareness groups that we have around. And every single day, new people are joining these groups. They're losing loved ones. And if we could just reach one person, then mm -hmm. our, our job, our mission is fulfilled. Just one life. Absolutely. And that's what I do. I mean, that's, I think that that's honestly how it's helped me heal, you know, to know that through his story, you know, I feel like this isn't my purpose. It was his purpose. Not that obviously I would do anything to give, I would give anything for my child to be here today, but knowing how many lives he's impacting even through his death and how many kids he's actually saving through his story like that just it warms my heart and it's absolutely helping me get through this because it's pain that is never going to go away yes you know laura as a mother there's no greater pain than the loss of your child none in this world what did you discover about yourself through all of this, what have you learned about Laura? Um, well, I'm definitely not the same person I used to be. I had to kind of just let go and let God, you know? Um, I used to be the type of woman that felt like she could fix anything, right? But when he died, it was something I couldn't fix, you know? And so I had to really learn to live with that, to live with the fact that sometimes we don't have control of things in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, I, I don't know, that's like the biggest, I'm a different, I'm a completely different individual. I think I've, um, I look at life a lot differently too. Um, like what I used to think was important, material things, mm -hmm. money, you know, having a nice car, those type of things, like they no longer matter to me. Um, God is number one and my family follows that. Like even, even before a job, um, you know, being a single mom for so long, like I was the only provider. And so my job was always number one, you mm -hmm. know, everything else kind of took a back burner to my job. Like even if my kids were sick, it was like, no, I have to go to work today, you know? And now it's completely different. Now it's like, you know, a job is a job. And yes, it's important to have a job, but it's not more important than the time that you have with your loved ones. So I don't know. It's just, it's really changed me uh, as my thought process has changed. Um, and then also knowing that, you know, we're living here but our time here is temporary. However, if we, you know, if we put God first, like we're going to be granted eternal salvation for the rest of our lives. Like to me, that's just incredible. So I don't know. It's, it's a definitely a journey. Um, I didn't ask for, you know, it's a journey that I never even envisioned or dreamed of 
but I feel like everything's just fallen into place and everything is meant to happen the way that it's supposed to happen. Yes, I totally agree with that, Laura. Laura, we have a question from one of our viewers. Uh, her name is Kimberly, and Kimberly would learn to love learn more about your nonprofit, Marshmallows Hope. How do we reach out to you on that platform? So it's www.marshmallowshope.org. I'm going to put it here in the link. Yeah, and Marshmallows is just spelled like the food. Um, and our email is also marshmallowshope at gmail.com. So you can absolutely, you know, reach, reach out to me there. Um, we, uh, we're currently doing a Christmas drive for children who are living with a mental illness and families who are struggling with COVID-19 financially. So we're collecting hats um, gloves. We live in Illinois, so winter is, is super harsh, you know, and we want to be able to provide winter clothing for kids that are in need. Um, and then also, you know, maybe a toy or two on their wish list. So if you go to our events page, you can keep up with the events that we're currently promoting. So that's what we're doing at this time is the Christmas drive for kids with mental illness. Wonderful. Now, how do you how do you find the, the children that you need to help? Is there like an application process or how do they? Yeah, so the local um, the local news station put it out that, you know, Marshmallows, it's our very first year doing this. And so um, they put it out that we were going to be doing this and people will they can go to the website and click on the contact us. They just fill out a form. Um, they contact us via, via email, and then we let them know, like, this This is the information that we need. Um, but we're, you know, like, my heart is to not turn anybody down, not turn anybody away. Um, and so what I'm doing is when I get an application, I immediately post it on my own personal page and on my business page. And then I find somebody willing to adopt that child or that family. So, oh, yeah. so far, yeah, so far we've had, you know, an amazing turnout with this, where people are really stepping up in the community to assist with this, with this drive. Wow, that's beautiful, Laura. That is so commendable. Um, Thank Laura, you. I really appreciate you being here today to spread light on suicide awareness and mental health is so important in our society today. I want to ask you, Laura, if you were facing someone right now who may be down and out, depressed, not feeling well, ready to end their life, how would you help that person? What would you say to them? Well, first I would tell you um, that what you're hearing in your mind is a lie. Your family would never ever be better off without you. You are loved. Um, and I, I mean, you have the national suicide hotline, so I would give you resources. Like if you were to contact me, I was sitting right in front of you. First of all, I would listen and I would let you know that you're loved and that you're cared for. But then I would hook you up with the resources that we need to give you. And we need to link you up to so that you can get the help necessary, you know, to treat this this condition because unfortunately you're struggling with a mental illness that with medication and with treatment and with counseling 
it's gonna get better, you know? So um, if I had to, from personal experience, tell you anything, it would be that you are so loved beyond imaginable means. People that you don't even know are looking up to you are actually looking up to you. Somebody is always watching and somebody's always wanting to emulate you or be like you, whether it's a child that looks up to you, whether it's a friend, a coworker, there is somebody that is always going to find you, you know, to be delightful. And so I don't know. I just, I would pray and I would ask you to please just hold on, you know, just yeah. give me until tomorrow and talk to me again tomorrow. And if we need to do this all over again, I'll be here again to talk to you the next day and the next day and the next day. But suicide is not the answer. No, it's not the answer, Laura. And what suicide does is it doesn't end the pain. It just transfers the pain to the people who love you because it only really affects those that you leave behind. So you're not really fixing the problem by ending your life. You're you're creating more pain and a bigger issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sadly, you know, I um I used to before this happened to me, I used to always think that suicide was a selfish act. You know, mm -hmm. like when I heard of like Robin Williams or Chris Cornell, you know, those are celebrities that have taken their own lives and I I remember sitting there telling myself, like, they have it all. Like, why would they do that to their family, you know? And now I understand that it's actually a very unselfish act because their mind is actually deceiving them and telling them that their loved ones would be better off without them. But it's not true. And they're honoring that thought. I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the aha moment for me. You just gave me. I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Laura, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here on Speaking of Love, the podcast. The topic that we're discussing today is very, it's a very sensitive subject and I'm treading lightly. I don't want to um, say the wrong thing for both you or myself, uh, but it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to live through and uh, you've been faced with this for two years now. My father has been passed away uh, about eight months now and um, wow. For the rest of my life, I'm going to live with the void of, of losing him in this way. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to that. And I just want to thank you for being here to talk about this, because this is why I started this platform, is to reach out and to help others. And had my dad not committed suicide, I wouldn't have been able to reach out and meet people, beautiful people like you, who are making the world a better place and taking their pain and giving it a greater purpose like you have. And I know that your son, Zachary, is smiling down on you for doing this in his honor. Yeah, thank you. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry that we are both carrying the same pain. I'm sorry about your dad. <clears throat> it's um, definitely pain that you shouldn't have to live with. But yes, I completely agree that because of this, now we're both walking into the a different path in life that we never even i'm sure you like me didn't see this ever before for yourself you know yeah. <laughs> it's like what happened you know yeah. and i and i find even though it's been eight months i still find myself in the middle of cooking dinner or taking a shower or something and i'll just say to myself 
I can't believe he did that. It's like a part of my mind is still not connecting the pieces that he did it. He's gone. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's definitely a huge reality. And then you have to, I mean, sorry, I don't know if, um, I don't know if you struggle with PTSD or anything from it. But for me, for example, I, you know, I never had depression. I never had post-traumatic stress disorder or any of that. But I mean, I developed it right after his death. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn how to live with the triggers, you know, things that bring those thoughts back and, and that it's like a repetitive cycle, just playing in your head over and over. Like, why did they do this? You know, you live with those questions that are never going to be answered and you have to just, you have to learn to let go of the whys and the what ifs, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard. Yes, it is. And for anyone watching or listening today, I have listed the suicide awareness hotline number in the comments here. And that number is 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-TALK. If you need help, please reach out to that phone number. 1-800-273-TALK. If you don't want to call that number, you can feel free to send me a private message. I'm quite sure Laura wouldn't mind receiving a private message. If you need help, please talk to someone. We're here for you. It's not as bad as it may appear today. So please, please Absolutely. get help. Yes. If uh, in my book, I give resources. So I'm just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to name a couple of them. Um, mm-hmm. You can go to www.nami.org. They're a nationwide um, mental illness advocacy nonprofit as well. And they have support groups for, you know, people living with a mental illness of all ages. Um, so, you know, look for a support group within your area also. Um, and, you know, the domestic, uh, domestic violence hotline. Uh, I believe honestly that abuse and mental illness go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So if you're living in a situation where you aren't safe, you know, remove yourself from that situation or reach out to get the help because essentially if you are living in something like that, it's going to create that mental you know, it's gonna, it's gonna create a mental illness within your mind that you can potentially try to take your own life from to just desperately get yourself out of that situation. So, you know, or, or it can be like my dad, where he took her life. You know, Mm -hmm. I truly believe there were domestic violence issues in the marriage, and he took her life. And as a result of taking hers, he took his own. So, Definitely. There's that mental health aspect to it as well. Absolutely. So please, um, we also have the email address, um, which is lost to darkness help at gmail.com. And you can, you know, reach out through there at any time and we can link you up with services. Um, Our nonprofit is based in Illinois, but we are trying to spread awareness nationwide and eventually grow nationwide. So if we can help you with resources, I don't care where you live. I will do the legwork and I will help you get help. Okay. So I put that information here in the comments, lost to darkness, help at gmail.com is the email address.